So Jonathan LaRoche is going to lead us in the reading of the Word of God, and Shea Freeman is going to lead us in prayer. May we stand together, please, for the reading of God's Word and of our prayer together. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Dear Lord, thank you for this day of rejoicing. You have shown by Jesus rising that there is joy in everything. I thank you for giving me peace, of, peace to face the problems of today. I know you are preparing me for a better life with you. I thank you for helping me and my family feel, the, feel your presence every day through my sister Leah. Please fill the hearts of everyone here with your joy and comfort so that they may see the problems of today are not lasting. Amen. You remain standing, and I want you to join me in saying amen to these two children. Didn't they do terrifically? Amen. amen. Go ahead and clap for them. That's all right. Whether it's from an old hymn like in the garden or from a Broadway song from Carousel, they both say the same thing. Wherever God's Word comes to you and in whatever manner or form it comes to you, it is this, you're not alone. You are not alone. You will never walk alone. I remember when I heard that song, not the first time, but the first time I really listened to it, I was in Prague, Czechoslovakia many years ago during the worst days of the oppression by the Soviets. I'd been preaching in Eastern Europe and traveling with John David Hopper missionary to Eastern Europe and knew the pastor of the Baptist Church in Prague, Pastor Svets, and we'd been there and in services in Poland and Czechoslovakia and East Germany and Hungary, other places. Anyway, John David Hopper had to leave one day before I did, and he went back uh, to Switzerland to, or to Vienna at the time where he lived. The pastor that I knew, Pastor Svets, with whom I'd been before, was out of town. And I was sitting there in the lobby of the Intercontinental Hotel in Prague, and suddenly I realized I was alone. I did not know a single soul in that city. I did not know anybody that could speak English. And I suddenly felt an emptiness like I have seldom felt in my life. And I kind of inside panicked. A Swiss ski team came in uh, to check in because they were going to be in a ski tournament uh, near Prague. <coughs> and they checked in, and they were so happy having such a good time, and I was kind of mad at them for being happy. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys don't know. you got people you can talk to and ski with and, and uh, be understood. And I, was, I, I really was desolate. And then over the Muzak in the hotel, in the speaker that was right above my head, I began to hear the words that Martha just sang. You will never walk alone. And I tell you, I believe that was as much the voice of God to me as any sermon I had ever heard. He used that marvelous song from Carousel to get the truth across to me. And I got up and I said, I'm not alone. I have somebody I can talk to and somebody who knows my name 
and somebody who speaks English because God's bilingual. And so I felt comfortable. I went out, went downtown in the old town square and ate, and life was altogether different because I was reminded of the fact that I was not alone. I want to remind you of that today. Sometimes you feel lonely. You're not alone. Sometimes you wonder if anybody really knows your name. God does. You're not alone. He cares for you. And he has a word for you. Now his word comes to us sometimes in many different ways and places as I've already indicated. Now there's some ways you ought not to use to get the word of God. They're not advisable. Maybe occasionally they might work, but most of the time they don't. I heard about this fellow who was having terrible economic problems. Bad, bad financial scene in his life. And he didn't know what to do. And so he decided to do what some of us may have done at one time or another in my, our lives. I don't advise it at all, but this fellow tried it. He decided he was going to close his eyes, open the Bible, and just put his finger down on the page, and whatever he read there, he was going to do. So as I say, I don't advise that, but that's what he did. Economic problems just engulfing him. And so he closed his eyes, opened his Bible, put his finger down there on the page, and opened his eyes, and guess what he read? Chapter 11. Now that was not God's word for him that day. But I'm going to do something similar, although I've planned it and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to put my finger down there. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, I planned it. You know that. But I believe that's God's word for us because that's the word spoken by the resurrected Christ recorded by John in the third chapter of the book of the Revelation. I stand at the door and knock, said Jesus. And if any person will hear my voice, I will open the door and come into them and dine with them and they with me. Why does he want to come into your life? Because he made you for relationship with him. He made your life so he could come and occupy it and make it more meaningful. As Augustine said, there's a God-shaped blank in every person's heart that can be filled only by God. He made you for relationship. He made you for fellowship. He made you for faith. He made you for life. And he wants to come and live in your life. A number of years ago, we were traveling in Israel when Lisa was barely six years old and our boys were older and we had a group of people and we landed in Tel Aviv and we got on the bus and went up toward the city of Jerusalem and it was just the, the Bible come alive. Those of you who've been there realize it. You suddenly start seeing scenes that could be lifted right out of the pages of King of Kings or the Bible uh, or out of some Christian movie you've seen. It just overwhelms you. And Lisa was just in, captured by it, as we all are. We got to the hotel, un, got out of the, ho of the uh, bus, and they unloaded the bags, and we went up to our room, and they started delivering the bags. Now, Lisa had her flight bag, and she had her own little stuff in there from home. Now, one piece of equipment she had was what she called, and we called, her night-night. It was a little pillow, just a little thing that she had to have to sleep. Consequently, we had to have to sleep. So when 
We got to the room and the night night and Lisa's little flight bag didn't show up. We panicked. We wanted, where in the world? We looked around on the floor. Maybe it was there. No, it wasn't. I went down to the lobby to see if it was there. It wasn't. Thought maybe they'd left it out there without bringing it up to the room. It was not there. I came back up and I was so disturbed. Martha said, Lisa, we're going to ask Jesus to help us find your night-night because it's important to you and it gives you some peace of mind and we want you to have it. I thought, yes, yes, Lord. <laughs> peace of mind, that's what we want. We would have lost anybody. We would have left our two boys for that night-night. We'd have done anything to get that night-night. But it was gone. They were praying. I said, well, I'm going to go down to the bus station. Went downstairs, had to find where the bus station was, where they stored these buses. Went over there. They let me in. I looked around in the bus. Not there. I went back to the hotel discouraged. Walked up to the room, and they were excited. Someone had inadvertently picked up an extra flight bag, taken it to their room. When they started unpacking and looking through it, they found Lisa's flight bag with her night-night in it and brought it to the room. Oh, it was rejoicing time. Martha very perceptively and correctly said, Now, Lisa, you know we, ought, we asked Jesus to help us find it. And he did, and we ought to thank him for helping us find it, shouldn't we? So, yes, well, we had a family prayer time to thank the Lord for helping us find Lisa's night-night. When we got through, Lisa said, I need, I know he knew where it was all the time. Because you see, this is his hometown. <laughs> well, it was his hometown. And he knew where everything was. The point I want to make is, you are his hometown. He made you to be a place where he could live. He made your life to be a dwelling place for him. He's come to live within you. And that's why he said, I stand at the door and knock. Now I want you to know who's standing there. It's not a preacher. It's not a pastor. It's not a church. It's not a liturgy. It's not a theology. It's a person. We're talking about a person. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. So in this service today, if God has already done something to your heart, or is doing it, or will do it, I want you to understand that it's not Buckner Fanning. It never is and never will be. It's not a sermon. It's not music as magnificent as it is. Those are only vehicles. What it is, is the voice of the Lord himself who has come to knock on the door of your heart and life because he loves you. And he wants life to be better for you. And he wants you to know that you'll never walk alone and that you need not be afraid. He's knocking on the door of your heart. I stand, he said. And I want you to notice the hand with which he knocks. It's a hand that reached out and touched lepers and made them well. Reached out and picked up little children, hugged them. 
hand that took bread and broke it to feed multitudes of people. A hand that touched blind eyes and they came to sight. Lame bodies and they were healed. A hand that was riveted to a Roman cross because of his love for us. That's who's knocking, gently knocking at your heart's door today. It's not someone who has come to put you down or to berate you or to punish you. As Jonathan read so beautifully a moment ago, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Now listen to that next verse he read. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the Jesus that's knocking at the door of our hearts today. He doesn't come to condemn. He comes to heal and to save and to lift up. I stand, he said, at the door and knock. He takes the initiative. We don't take the initiative. He takes the initiative. Sometimes we talk erroneously about, well, I remember when I found the Lord. I remember when I found the Lord and I found the Lord. Listen, I didn't find the Lord. I wasn't even looking for him. He wasn't lost. I was the one that was lost and empty and lonely. And he came looking for me. He took the divine initiative that love always takes to reach out and touch, to reach out and knock. He's come to give us himself. He's come to make our home, the city limits of our lives, the dwelling place of the loving God revealed in Jesus Christ. He knocks, and that's happening right now. And whoever will hear his voice, if you, anybody, regardless, do you hear that little word? If any person hear my voice, anybody, doesn't make any difference who you are, what you've done, whether you've never been to church before in your life, whether you don't know one book of the Bible from the other. It's for you. Anybody. That's the good news of the gospel. It's for anybody and everybody. There's nothing exclusive about it. There's nothing esoteric about it. There's not some hidden code word you have to learn, some secret handshake you have to get an understanding of. It's not that at all. He's come to the door of your heart, whoever you are, and whatever your need might be. If anybody, one little word, three letters, a single syllable that speaks volumes to everybody's life, if anybody, that includes me, that includes you and you and you and you and every one of us in here, if anyone will hear his voice. Phillips translates that, if anyone will listen to his voice. You know, sometimes we can hear people, but we're not listening to them, right? Sometimes we can hear the radio, but we're not listening. We can hear television, but we're not listening or watching. If anyone will really listen to his voice, will do it. Now, I want you to notice that word he used. It's a word of, it's a volitional word. If anyone will, not if anyone can, you can if you will. If anyone will hear my voice 
Salvation is not primarily emotional. It may express itself in emotional ways, but the center of salvation is not our emotions. The seat and center of our salvation is our will, our volition, our choosing. If anyone will hear his voice, you can today if you will, because he's promised to come to everybody. He's promised to knock on every door in every heart. And he'll do that right now. He's doing that right now. And if you will, if you choose to listen to it, he'll come in. He will come in. The word feeling is a wonderful word, but it's only used twice in the New Testament. And neither time is it used in connection with a person's salvation. Feeling doesn't save us. Feeling doesn't make us Christians. There are times when we may feel good or feel badly. We may be up, we may be down. But salvation is not a matter of the fluctuation of the emotions. It is a matter of the unmoving promises of God accepted by our wills. I stood here last night, no, Friday night, and performed a wedding. Dale and Vicki, they were here. And I was right here. And there was Vicki and there was Dale. And here were the attendants. And I said, Dale, Knowing that love grows more beautiful if tenderly cherished and on and on and on, do you promise to take Vicki as your wife ardently and to give her your love and your faith and your commitment, all the things that we say at a wedding? And what did Dale do? Did he say, I think so, Buckner. <laughs> no, Dale, I didn't ask you if you thought so. I asked you, will you do it? Well, I kind of feel like it, Buckner. <laughs> Dale, I didn't ask you if you felt like it. I asked you, will you take Vicki as your wife? You better because I've already signed the wedding license. <laughs> and he said what? I will. He may have been nervous if he was normal, he was. He may have been frightened, every person is. But what makes us married is not just Feeling, feelings have their ups and downs. Feelings have their good days and their bad days. But what makes us married is a decision of our will. And what makes us Christians is a decision of our will. I will hear him and I choose to trust him and I will to follow him. If anybody will do that, Jesus said, I'll come in and we'll have a party together. That's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to bring a fast, he came to bring a feast. And that's exactly what he did. He said, I'm going to come in, we're going to have dinner together. I'm going to dine with you and you with me. Those early Christians, wonderful, God bless them, but they had a hard time understanding that. Some of us still have a hard time understanding that. Those early Christians went to the tomb to revere him and to honor him in his death, and he wasn't there. And the messenger at the tomb said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, and he's gone out there ahead of you to prepare a banquet. He wants to meet you up in Galilee, where he's going to cook some fish and serve it to you there at a picnic. He wants to meet you back in the upper room, where you can celebrate together again those marvelous feasts. He's not here. Why do we keep looking for the living among the dead? Dead ritual, dead laws, dead legalism, dead negativism, dead religion. He's come to give us life, he said. 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. They came to revere him in his death. He rose to meet them, to empower them for the business of living. And that's what he is still doing. He's come to invite us to a banquet. And if you will hear his voice today, he will come into you. You say, oh, Buckner, I've got to straighten up the house first. No, you don't. You really don't. Uh, well, I got to paint the place. I mean, after all, this is God. I understand. And he understands. He never asked anybody to get remodeled before he came in to remake them. He never asked anybody to put a little paint of religiosity on the outside before he came inside to give them a new heart. You don't have to clean up the place. In fact, that's what he'll help you do. He's not going to make you feel bad. He's just going to help you get everything straight. He's going to make everything work together for good. He's going to make it better. Need something fixed? He'll fix it. He'll help you fix it. So it doesn't make any difference how big the house or how small. It doesn't make any difference what your life is or what it has been. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in that house. You're not going to embarrass him. He knows everything about every one of us. And he knows everything that's gone on in every room of our lives, and he still knocks because he wants to come in. Why? To punish? No. To transform and to lift and to turn on lights and to bring joy and to have a feast. My, what a promise. He'll come into your life today, regardless of who you are or what's happened, if you will hear his voice and let him in. In St. Paul's Cathedral in London is a beautiful painting. There's another similar to it, almost identical to it, painted by the same man, Holman Hunt, in a Baptist college up in the Midlands of England. I've stood there at St. Paul's Cathedral and looked at that painting of the light of the world. You've probably seen it in religious books or maybe in a Sunday school class, the light of the world. It's a picture of Jesus standing at a door with a lantern in his hand. And he's knocking at the door. It's late in the day. The sun is very low in the sky because the shadows are long. It's getting late. It's getting late in the year because the flowers that are blooming are flowers that bloom in the late fall and early winter. It's getting late. It's getting dark. And he's standing there, knocking at the door. But if you look closely at that painting, you will notice that there is no latch on the outside of the door. The only way he can get in is for you to open it from the inside. The latch is on the inside. All you have to do today is to just 
reach out with the hand of faith and lift that latch and he'll come in. Now, I don't say this to frighten you or to threaten you. I never do that. But I do want to tell you the truth. And the truth is, and we all know it, it's getting late. The world is getting tired. It's later than it was this time yesterday or last week. It's getting late. It's getting dark. We need to let him in where he'll bring light and life. And regardless of what happens outside to the rest of the world, we will never walk alone. We will never be alone. For he said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the ages upon the ages. You may want to join some other church in this city. I'd help you to do that. But you can join every church in this city, as fine as they are. And that won't make us Christians. It's when we open the door and let Jesus come in. And then we find a church where we can worship and have fellowship and where we can serve. But the church is a means of expressing our faith, not attaining it. It's a way of translating our faith into service. It's not a place for earning it. We can't earn it. It's a gift, and he brings it with him when he comes into our lives. And so I want to urge you this morning to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You want to join some other church, I will help you do that. If you want to join this church, why, we welcome you with open arms and an open heart. Oh, 12 or 15 or more people in the earlier service made decisions similar to that. Some accepted the Lord as their Savior. Some made decisions and want to join other churches. Some came already as Christians wanting to be a part of Trinity Baptist Church. Some came from a Lutheran church, and some from a Methodist, and some from a Baptist church. Came from everywhere. If God is leading you here, we invite you here. Many came for prayer. Some came in rededication of their lives. Listen, I don't want you to do a thing here this morning. Listen, I don't want you to do anything this morning except what the Lord wants you to do. That's all. I'm just here to urge you and encourage you to do whatever the Lord is impressing upon your heart to do right now. The Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon me will be saved. Whoever, whosoever he or she be, let them take the water of life freely. I stand at the door and knock. If any one of you will hear my voice, I will come into your life and I'll dine with you. We'll live together forever.